0: Hello everyone, Will here with two quick announcements before we launch into our regularly scheduled podcast. First, after hearing Paul and I talk about our adventures in the Hungering Step, you may be enticed to explore this area of Gur yourself. Well, good news! We have now partnered with The Great Weave to launch the Hungering Step online narrative Age of Sigmar campaign. The campaign will focus around an unnatural phenomenon called the Amber Stampede, where beasts of Gur and the Hungering Steppe have been corrupted by powerful arcane realmstone known as the Amber Bones. Knowledge of this power has spread throughout the realms, bringing other warlords such as yourself into this untamed wildlands. If you would like to participate, hop on over to thegreatweave.com where you will then be directed to the campaign page and some further instructions on how this will play out. It will also direct you to the Great Weave Discord server where you can talk to other like-minded folks participating in online narrative campaigns. Gives you an opportunity to find someone to collaborate with, to share your army story, the story of your characters and your warlords, and you can always reach out to myself there to ask any questions. At Sever, S-E-V-V-I-R. As always, you can pop on in to themortalrealms.com slash discord and talk to Paul, Spencer, and I there about the setting, the campaign, or Path to Glory in general. Then finally, before we launch into the episode, I wanted to preface it by letting you all know that the first few minutes of Spencer's audio was lost to the Shadow Realms of Olgu. Do not despair, she will join us shortly thereafter. With that being said, enjoy the show.
1: It's the Path to Story, an AOS narrative show, the Path to Story. Two paths, the Virgin of Woods, and I, I took the path that had two hell cannons. Welcome to the Path to Story podcast, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast. Join us for a whole lot of lore and more here in the mortal realms. So we're going to have a little bit of a different episode tonight um, because uh, Will has been to Holy Havoc. I have
0: all the way back in November, which for us was a week and a half ago.
1: But for you, it's going to be more than a week and a half.
0: Yes.
1: Happy holidays or whatever it is now. Happy uh, New Year, maybe. Uh, happy New Year! Hi, old acquaintances. Brought 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 All right. All right. All right. All right. Oh, so, uh, we're going to do a discussion about running a Path to Glory army yep. in a match play event. And that's really going to be the focus of this episode. Um, yeah. We're going to focus a lot on Will's journey through Holy Havoc and uh, also a bit of an event recap, too.
0: Yeah, um, kind, kind of, of an event recap. And I should say Holy Havoc, um, while we're going to talk about like match play, Holy Havoc was very much a narrative event, which was like uh, just phenomenal uh, to be there with other people whose focus wasn't necessarily... Competition by them, like hobby and narrative and just having fun.
1: Yeah. So uh, it is run by Steve Herner, right? Yep. And is there a specific place that he run these whole these havoc events at? I immediately forgot. um, (laughs) But it was
0: it was at a it was in Naperville, Illinois. So another another great example of narrative Midwest. Yeah, it's right next to Chicago.
1: If Illinois were in one of the realms, which realm would Illinois be in, is the question.
0: I was going to say, if we are going to play this game, my home state of Iowa would obviously come from the realm of corn.
1: Oh, yeah. No <laughs> question. <laughs> I'm from Oregon, though. Right? Like, what? Yeah, I was born out in Portland, Oregon. So, what realm would Portland, Oregon be? Uh,
0: it's on the waters. We could say Ogu. Shadowy, Cloudy.
1: Well, it could also be in uh the pocket realm of the skaven cuz you know oh, Oregon
0: <laughs> was it uh
1: skavenblight is that the name of the city Well there's Skavenblight that's in a realm but then there's also a pocket realm where the uh the head of the skaven the greater demons of the mm. horn rat meet um it it's kind of a cool little narrative thing where In Skavenblight, there is a throne, and behind the throne of Skavenblight, there is a door, and through that door is a hidden dimension, a pocket dimension, whereby the greater demons of the Horned Rat actually run everything going on in Skaven society. So He's the fifth chaos god, but nobody thinks he's a chaos god. It's kind of es- a weird thing, actually.
0: Especially the other Chaos guys.
1: Especially the other Chaos guys. <laughs> I mean, they haven't gotten a full bottle release for their army in like seven years. So, obviously, their god does not listen to them anyway. So, yeah. That is what it is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> After that massive diversion. Yeah, what are we doing? Um, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, I have actually not played any games of Path to Glory in the last month. But I did actually make an entire 2,000-point army because, I don't know, I'm crazy? Wait, you want to full 2,000?
0: Dang. It's it's
1: a full <laughs> 2,000 points. All right, so right now, I'm posting three pictures in our little Discord for Spencer to look at. All right? So these three pictures are the models that all of the... So these are the standard models that Games Workshop makes. Yep. And everything that you're going to see... Is made from these three kits. All right? For the and record. For for those listening, yeah. uh,
0: at the top we have the Arachnorok Spider. Correct. In the middle we have, uh, yeah, in the middle <laughs> we have the Tarantulas Brood, the new Warcry warband that is spider themed and spider mutants. Exactly. And, and then at the bottom we have the Spider Fang Spider Riders.
1: Yes. So, um, first up are the Spider Riders and the Tarantulos Brood. I'm going to post three pictures for you. I made Spider Centaurs out of the Spider Rider Spiders mm-hmm. and the top half of the Tarantulos Brood. So, games wise, this is a Flesh Eater Quartz Army. And I'm using them as two units of three Crypt Flayers, which are like vampire bat things. Which I'm like, they've got eight legs, they can move super quickly. Yeah. Um, and they are super, yeah, the legs are super spindly because if you look at the picture of the spider riders, do you see how they have a joint at the end of every leg that has a point to it, which is the end of the leg. So on the front guy, he has the bone legs right on the very beginning. Yeah. So I took three of those ends of the legs for every leg for these, um, centaur spiders. And I took two of them and glued the big ends together with plastic glue. And then I glued them into a plastic glue of another spider foot to make that the actual leg. And then I glued that whole contraption into the body itself.
0: Now, you may be asking yourself, well, wait a second. There's only like one of those bony bits on each sprue. How many spider bits does Paul have?
1: I have way too many. (laughs) Um. Infinite. <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. Alright? Alright, so here comes the rocks, but they're like different. So three, two, one. Boom. There's number one. I kind of uh, I tried to model it after a flea. That's why it's got the big long leg in the back like it's jumping.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say.
1: And then number two. Yeah, so I added Uh, two petipelps to that one in order to make it because they're supposed to be vampire spiders or like flesh-eating spiders. And then I made a king flesh-eating spider for reasons. Um, So that one's got a whole lot more spiky bits on it. So um, I'm going to use them as an existing army called Flesh-Eater Quartz. Uh, And this is a full 2,000-point army along with this last guy here which is the queen Arachnirach. What yeah. is
0: going on in like the middle there?
1: So basically, the the front part is a normal Arachnirach, but then mm-hmm. right before it hits the body, I cut it in half, and then I flip that half upside down. And then I glued huh. it upside down to the front half, and then I cut it again and glued it on right side up behind it. So that weird bumpy part is actually the bottom of all the Arachnoroks, except huh. for the the daddy Arachnorok, which I wanted to make all armored. Yeah. The king one. Um, but I wanted to make it more of like an actual queen bee or something. So yeah. I gave it extra long legs and I gave it extra baby spiders coming say, out of you, its body.
0: The little ones just crawling out.
1: Yeah. And then there's a, 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 a spider centaur on top. Thank you. It, it did turn out better than I hoped when I literally just took a Dremel and and sawed the miniature in half and was like, I hope this works because it'd be really nice if it works because this is like $120 worth of models. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I I literally can't afford for this not to work.
1: Yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be able to replace these models if this doesn't work. So let's hope this works. Yeah. Um, it's that uh, meme. I'll, yeah, I'm never gonna financially recover from this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, in in that spirit, shout out to Vint from our local Warhammer store who hooked me up uh, to be able to get two Arachnoroks within a couple days' notice, so I could build this army. <laughs> because it's just like I did. I, you know, I didn't even have time to wait for shipping. I'm like, "Do you have these in stock?" And he's like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Okay, great. Sounds great. I will buy them from you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. So, yeah, I didn't play any Path of Glory armies, but I did build a 2000 point um, Warhammer army, and I did convert all four of those Arachnoroks in one day. There might have been a lot of sugar involved, but it was still only one day.
0: I mean, that is a crazy accomplishment. Like, even just building four normal Arachnoroks in a day is like (laughs) reaching my peak of
1: (laughs) hobby. Oh, yeah. So, um, because the legs are all crazy and extended, so. If you look on the bottom one and then the top two, their back legs are super crazy long because I actually added two legs into one for the back legs mm. to make them look just unnatural and super creepy. So I actually had to pin these plastic miniatures uh, because the plastic wasn't strong enough to support them. So it was it was a process, but you know, when you release literal spider ninjas for war cry and i need to be able to make a 2000 point army out of them and i'm only going to get 10 of them on the week of release i had to figure out something crazy yeah so <laughs> so there you go uh so this will definitely be a path to glory army at some point um but i mean gw released spiders so i had to make an army and i don't make the rules i just convert the models yeah <laughs> so uh, that's that's what i did in the last month Will, did you do any hobby in the last month? I bet you did. I, I did, yeah. So when we
0: when we last met, I was talking about how I was starting to paint my Dragoncast Force, and I had, I, I I had gotten like the main warlord down just to get the the scheme created, mm. and then I found out I was going to start going to Holy Havoc. And I needed to paint a thousand points worth of dragon cast. So I. That's a bit
1: of a, yeah. (laughs) It's a transition.
0: Very. And I, I had mentioned it before, like I need motivation to paint. So I painted more models in that two week period than I had, like in the previous nine months (laughs) combined. And I, you know, we need to get you to more events at that point. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> it's the only way to get my people painted. <laughs> um, and, like, I know, like, I'm always very honest about my skills, but I'm I'm proud of, like, the way they came out. Like, I definitely am not going to stop. I'm going to go back and do touch-ups, but yeah. So, I, I painted, I mean, with my Stormcast, a thousand-point army was twelve models. So, uh, not too much paint, but yeah, it's, it was an accomplishment, and I feel happy about it. And I feel like that should tie into talking about Holy Havoc as a whole, if that's all right with y'all. For those that are not aware, Holy Havoc is an event run by Steve Herner, and this was my first ever event period. So I, I feel like I am spoiled. I, I have climbed the mountain, and I'm good until the next one comes around and it's a it's a hobby focus event mhm so like normally i'm like oh yeah i love narrative games so the games themselves were narrative but the event really was to showcase all of the beautiful paint jobs and conversions
1: that other people had worked on yeah so um do you follow any sports spencer
2: do i watch sports the answer is yes um not like avidly but i am familiar with some sports nice i can recognize a baseball you know three out of every five times pretty good
1: <laughs> so imagine there was a sports ball championship can you imagine this
2: uh yes my main, my brain is going sports ball teams all right goals or other things
1: so imagine Boy. there was a sports ball championship for how well you dressed and uh, how awesome you could tell a great story about that one time when you played baseball.
2: So it's like a pageant. Yeah. So
1: that's basically what a Warhammer event is because you come with your whole army fully painted, fully converted, fully whatever, right? Will's army is fully painted, fully converted. And you show up with a bunch of other people to play a game But while you're playing the game, you're also talking about all the work that you did on your army and all the work they did on their army and all the work they put into making a story for their army, right? So the Holy Hammer events are like the World Championships for narrative gaming. Now, there is also the Raw event in the UK as well, run by Jimbo and Mitzi and Ming and Steve Foote, which is absolutely incredible. They were inspired to do their event by Steve Herner. So basically, Will went to the Super Bowl first. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't play a season (laughs) out out the gate. (laughs)
2: That's that's pretty. uh, First of all, I didn't know this. I never even thought about that part of the the thing because I saw your pictures, Will, of the the freaking floating islands and all that fun jazz. I was like, am I spoilers? Uh, I'm like, wow. And then I didn't even think of it. Like, everyone's got a story for their characters and they're all painted like artists. Oh, that like, yeah. was it was, real, it was incredible, work. like I yeah. felt
0: underdressed because i'm a an inexperienced painter who painted their army in two weeks, and these these are people who've been working on these models and these narratives for years. But the best part is like there wasn't like really any judgment. they're all like just super excited to be there, which was awesome,
1: yeah, now imagine not only is it Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl hasn't happened in three years. And everybody finally gets to go back to the Super Bowl. And Will didn't get drafted because the person who got drafted is like, crap, I can't go. So he literally just like called got called up from the minor leagues two weeks before the Super Bowl. It's like, Oh my goodness, this is great. So yeah. I mean, not that every other event that he's gonna go to after this is gonna be a disappointment. But every event that he goes to after this is probably going to be a little bit of a disappointment. Like, <laughs> I have never gone to the Holy Hammer events because I don't have the time. But also, because I also want to one day be able to go and know how amazing it is and be able to really appreciate it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so that leads into shout out to uh, Jake or Veloci Chapter who just put the the question in the mortal realms discord at the mortal realms.com slash discord is that the mortal realms.com slash discord that is the mortal realms.com slash discord cool 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 just making sure yeah yeah yeah. um and he was just like hey anyone anyone want to go to this event in two weeks i'm like yeah sure okay (laughs) not knowing what i just volunteered for (laughs) yeah but he was an amazing teammate um Super, super cool guy to, to hang out with, even though we only saw half of each other's faces the whole time since we, <laughs> yes. you know, we're still masked up and everything. But we were the mortal realm trotters. Yes. So we had red, white, and blue headbands and
1: wristbands. <laughs> oh, did you play that song that the Harlem Trotters play? No, Oh, we didn't. man. Yeah. That would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. Um, but yeah, it was a blast and really enjoyed it. So I wanted to talk a bit about that experience and like just in general, but also since this is the path to story, a path to glory podcast, how I implemented the path to glory in that non path to glory event and like how that whole process worked slash we know this episode's coming out close to Holy Wars, which is the next event run by Steve Herner. And hopefully it inspires some people and some more folks to, to do a similar thing of, you know, having these events tie into their overarching narrative. I mean, everyone had like well-written documents of their narrative. Some people like made comic strips of each battle they played. Um, Uh, That's right. Like the Warhammer Weekly folks, like printed out like a book for people to flip through with the war scrolls with their miniatures on it. So, like, it's definitely something I feel like more people would want to do if they knew
1: how accessible it was,
0: and that's what we that's what we want to do.
1: All right, so Spencer, do you have questions? Because I feel like you would have questions right now.
2: Well. I guess I've been wondering, like, how long of this event? I, I have no idea. Is is Age of Sigmar, is, is, is Warhammer like an old game? How long has it been around?
1: That's a Good loaded question. question. <laughs> uh, so, the game, Age of Sigmar, just celebrated its sixth birthday on July 4th. However, the reason why it's a loaded question, Will, is because. Go ahead.
0: It's because the. While well, Age of Sigmar is new, this lore in this narrative has been going on for decades. It existed in what is called Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Shoot, what year did it come out? Like, 1979? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, cause, uh, yeah, something like that.
1: 40K didn't start till 88, so...
0: Yeah, so it is like, as a whole, these communities that exist, a lot of the people have been a part of
1: the the warhammer fantasy community for decades all right i feel like i should step in here and give you a quick history lesson
2: Spencer, <laughs> yes. are
1: you up for a quick history lesson
2: absolutely
1: all right so i'm gonna ask you a question i think it's a freebie but i'm gonna ask you anyway have you heard of this little game it was made in wisconsin called dungeons and dragons
2: y- yes i have
1: yes all and right. i was
2: surprised by the date you mentioned because i'm like this is like the same time
1: Yeah, coinky-dinky. Really coinky-dinky, isn't it? It So when Dungeons & Dragons showed up to the scene and were like, hey, we're going to make up stories and it's going to be cool. Turns out there were a couple of guys in the UK that were like, hey, we should make miniatures for this new game called Dungeons & Dragons. And they called themselves Citadel Miniatures. And so that's what they did. They made miniatures for D&D. So they had everything that was in the original D&D, which, as you and I both know, is some really wacky stuff. But they just made miniatures, and they made miniatures, and they made miniatures. They made them out of lead um, before they switched to white metal. Um, But uh, that's how Citadel Miniatures got their start. And then eventually, people started buying the miniatures and said, hey, you guys make really cool miniatures. Why don't you make a game for your miniatures? And then we don't have to go and try and find games from America to play with your miniatures. And they said, that sounds like a great idea. We should do that. So we're going to invent a game called Warhammer Fantasy. So Warhammer Fantasy is the same time-ish as D&D. Because it basically incorporated all the miniatures that Citadel was making for Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, they cut a lot of like the weirder stuff out. But at the beginning, it was literally just like a source book, which said, okay, you've got these miniatures, uh, you can have these rules, right? First edition, second edition, third edition, even, we're kind of just like, we're just going to give you some rules to do things, and we're going to do it for a tabletop war game, and this is the way it's going to be. Uh, So now, as you say, Spencer, in the typing, war dice, that is exactly what is going on with Warhammer Fantasy, because you're playing a tabletop war game and you've got all these dice to roll. So I think I still have you on board, right? Do I have you on board?
2: Yes, I had no idea. I mean, what you're saying makes total sense. And the fact you could just you just know this is just amazing to me. So yeah. yes, I so, follow.
1: So, but the, here's the thing, right? Like they made up this fantasy universe in the late 70s, early 80s. So what do you think this fantasy universe was based on? Considering it's from the UK and you know a UK fantasy universe, that was super popular during that time. What do you think it was based
2: on? Oh, I know. A UK popular t- from the 80s? Think
1: yeah. Not, not, from, no, the not 80s. from the 80s.
2: Uh, a
0: famous author uh-huh. from the UK that mm-hmm. wrote a fantasy series.
1: Some might say the first fantasy series.
2: <gasps> Tolkien. Yes. He's, so yeah. everything yeah.
1: in Warhammer fantasy was basically a ripoff from Tolkien. Not really, because you can't legally do that. But it was so close that it's hard to tell the difference, right? Yeah. The elves are intelligent and they're long-lived. The dwarves are greedy and they're short. The humans are short-lived, but they are valiant, right? So they created this universe. And then for 25 years, they continued to build and build and build on this universe, right? Actually, for 35 years. I guess. Um, So they continued to build and build and build on this universe. Right. But their money is tied into the intellectual property that they have created. Right. Which is based Mm -hmm. on Tolkien. So basically it's kind of a mishmash and they've got a place called cafe, which is basically Japan. Right. They've Mm -hmm. got a place called Tilea, which is basically Italy. Right. Like, it's all everything was smashed into everything else. And by today's standards, if somebody were to refer to something as Cafe or Japan or China, um, how offensive to the modern viewer do you think that would be?
2: Uh, Risky. Imagine you took
1: first edition Dungeons, no, pre first edition Dungeons and Dragons, Uh right? With all those crazy charts of like, we're going to hire a woman for a specific purpose. And it's okay because we're just making fun of stuff, right? And mm-hmm. you had to include that in your rules because the rules never went away. And the, the I mean, the rules change, but the lore never went away, right? You don't reset yeah. the lore every time you have a new edition. Mm-hmm. You just pile mm-hmm. more and more stuff on it. So Ooh. for example, there was well, a race. Cool. Yeah, there was a race um, of trolls that only had one eye, that survived by going and taking women from other races mm. and having children with them. Not really yeah. all that politically correct, right? Yeah. Now, mm. coincide with the fact that Warhammer Fantasy was a historical rule set, which means that you're basically running blocks of miniatures, and I mean square bases all grouped together rank and in file. a block of rank-and-file miniatures... And so you have to worry about being flanked and you have to worry about wheeling because that's how you measure when a unit turns, right? And the game wasn't doing that well. So Games Workshop decided they were going to blow up the old world,
2: which is what they called it.
1: Literally, blow up the old world. (laughs) But they kept some of the characters. And then they created a new world called the Mortal Realms. And that's where we live now is the new world of the Mortal Realms. There is baggage from the old world, but everything can start from scratch. So, you know, that race that was really weird and would take races from, you know, take mates from other races and create things. They're not really here anymore. Right. Like all that weird lore that didn't really make sense or was super like, can you tell that we're talking about Germany here? Can you tell that we're talking about fantasy France here? Wink. (laughs) Right. Wink, 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 nudge, nudge, nudge. That's kind of gone. Right. So then we're
2: like, you know what? this is going to go the way of the dinosaurs. And then there's like meteorite.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Only correction
0: is they kept the dinosaurs.
1: They kept the dinosaurs. Yes. Um, But uh, they're actually are going to bring it back, but they're going to bring it back like 300 years before all the bad stuff happened and just kind of retcon everything. (laughs) One would imagine. Uh, So they're going to start over with that, but because they're starting over, we got age of Sigmar, which is this, crazy high fantasy um uh universe and so really long story pretty gosh darn long I'm sorry yeah. that's how old Age of Sigmar is in a nutshell. This has been
0: path to history. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> path to history I like it.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. Oh, wait I wonder man. how long these things have been meeting and then and then now I get it.
1: Yeah. Forever yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I love all right. So Will just posted a picture of one of the original Citadel <laughs> yeah. miniatures. Yeah. Wizard yeah. Say. With submachine gun.
2: <laughs> oh my dude. It's the greatest loss. <laughs> that surely that still exists. That's like gorgeous. Will, I know you have a 3D printer. I expect this. Right? Oh, people, people, super.
0: Uh, when, I, when I Google search wizard with some machine guns, some of the first things you see are like people's 3D printed version of it.
1: It's just it. Yeah. So
0: I can't wait for the wizard with machine gun army to come back. I know,
1: right? It's all the rumors. <laughs> all the rumors of all the time. So, so yeah. So there's the long story long. Sorry about that. But, like, yeah we never explained that and that's kind of a big deal for uh, yeah. for creating narrative is that when we base narrative we have 35 years of narrative to draw from yeah which is the super cool thing so and... when i'm talking about the realm roots when i'm talking about the Sylvaneth, they were in the old world and so i'm taking some of their lore and using it in mine right yeah so
0: and then to bring it like back to like the uh, the holy hammer events like a lot of people that were there were a part of the Warhammer community in that period of time. Like a lot of their models carried over. It's less that they like created brand new armies and more like they took a bunch of their models and took them off of square bases and put them onto round bases.
1: Yeah. Well, Um, you played, uh, you played rotor. Yep. Right. And when you're in your first rounds and uh, rotor is a wonderful guy, Fantastic. From the Minneapolis area. or Sorry, the Twin Cities area, I should say. Um, and um, and he... One of my favorite memories of him is they had a whole saga when the Old World blew up. It was a five-book series. And uh, my, my favorite thing was that his main issue with one of the books was simply that they had all these skaven that were wandering through all these tunnels. And his question was, where does the poop go? Can you <laughs> tell me, where does the poop go? So that's why you had... It. <laughs> exactly yeah so it ties in so yeah all right yeah when
0: um uh, for your background Spencer when um Jake and I like we're getting ready to go Paul gave us some tips of like if we run into certain people here are things to say like as a as a shout out from the Wisconsin group
1: yeah I was I was trying to uh, uh accommodate a gaming date let's put it that um, way and like you know, pick we, we just see
0: if you meet a guy named Rotor, ask him where the poop goes. And we're like, that's super weird. <laughs> very, very first game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like, oh wait, we're supposed to ask you where the poop goes, and he just goes, yeah, that's me.
2: <laughs> All right, maybe this has been you know, this game's been going on too long, and it's time to nuke and restart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Path to well, dysentery. <laughs>
2: And that's it, guys. Thank you for coming to
0: the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming.
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, I will. I will try and stop doing ridiculous asides, and we'll let Will talk about no, the amazing perfect. experience he had.
0: Yeah. Well, even before we get into that amazing experience, because I, I do want to get into that. I like there is just like a few other notes to cover, kind of going into it, which is uh, we actually got a. Corrected and got some oh, yeah. valuable feedback from toy soldier fun, Harry, oh,
1: who, yes.
0: who took issue with what something we had said in the past episode, where we said that, you know, you can't really have a good path of glory experience playing match play games. And he was like, ha ha untrue. Uh, and he let us know that the majority of his path of glory games have been like against match play opponents. Mm hmm. And, you know, we looked into it and going into this event, like I definitely had to pour over those rules and he's, he's 100% correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a blast. Like I, the amount of work I had to do to get my path to glory army to work for this event that used match play rules for list building Mm -hmm. was minuscule. Nice. Um, and I'm. I just wanted to talk about that really quick before we get into it. So, thanks. Thanks for keeping us uh, honest. Uh, honest. Uh, Toy soldier fun Harry, and we're we're glad you're listening. Uh, yeah. And so the work I had to do to get my path to glory army, I am kind of putting a narrative into it, which is I wanted to impress people with playing well. Uh, not that it worked, but so I took a semi. <laughs> yeah. But I took a semi-competitive list, and my thought was, the event was called the Warlord Ascends. You you had a special character that had a special war scroll, uh, essentially special rules, and you could pick upgrades. And then as you played more games, you could pick more upgrades, and I really wanted to tell the story about one of. The other models I've been working on that wasn't Phelan, my warlord for Path the Glory. Mm-hmm. And it was my uh, Andrasta conversion with the, the big dragon wings. Nice. Which I was super proud of. I was thinking, well, if this story is about her, I don't want Phelan to be there. He's really focused on the hungering step. Yep. There's this other conflict going on over here and she is taking some soldiers and she is dealing with it. So I I kept him home and I also think it works well cuz after our last game together Paul, uh, mm-hmm. I had Thalen run directly at all of your shadow warriors.
1: Yes, you did. And he,
0: and he barely survived.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: so he he's Weird. definitely Yeah, craziest thing. So he's definitely rethinking his whole lead from the front strategy.
1: (laughs) Fair. Fair point. Well made.
2: Yeah.
0: And like he is a, you know, I forget if I mentioned this on the show, but he was picked to be a Knight Vexilar because of his like naivety and optimism. So he's going to make mistakes like that. And I swear I did that on purpose. I'm good at this game. Please. (laughs) Please believe me. Um, yeah, so instead, I had my in drastic conversion, whose name is Cassithia the Vengeful, as my warlord, but I also had to pick another general. So I brought in, his name is blanking, I brought in my Knight Judicator, um, who has been really wrecking shop in
1: our Path of Glory games. So I have a question for Spencer. Yes. Spencer. How do you feel about the switching characters?
2: It sounds like a party. I mean, it's what happens in life and it is a story and sometimes, you know, things happen randomly. So, I'm down for it. I I do I do kind of I'm going to yeah. I just oh, no, I get you, stories, you know. I get you know, you get invested in their stories and you're like this is Yeah, no, I'm I'm down with it.
1: All right, wow. so my other question is, to you, as an uninformed person who doesn't play, what do you think is going to happen to Will's story over the next five games? Like, what do you think is going... Like, what potentially could happen? I realize that's a loaded question. Yeah.
2: Pause for just a second. Will, could... I, I, I swear, I, I'm listening, obviously, but could you just quickly say the switch again what was the yeah. switch so okay. the switch
0: is my main warlord mm-hmm. for our path to glory campaign did not come to this event
2: yes i instead, saw that instead
0: yeah. yeah instead um my warlord for this event was this casithia the vengeful but yes for the event and i guess i could explain this better for the event you had your warlord who is like your main character. And then you needed a general as part of like the, the list building. Mm-hmm. So I brought my knight judicator, Valum Bronbo, who
1: mm-hmm.
0: has participated in our path of glory campaign.
2: The one that died or got injured in the previous episode. I know that name. Did you get, he, did you cool?
0: he's the one who shot a bunch of people. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Um, Quite the opposite of died. He
2: okay. He was good.
0: Yeah, he's been the MVP for the one game he was in.
2: Okay.
1: He does so. have the doggos though. So yeah, the the yeah. burbs, yeah. burb dogs. Yeah. All right.
2: That he was cool. Okay. All right. Um. So what do I think is gonna happen? Yeah.
0: It. You know, the event is called the Warlord Ascends
2: okay so a lot of people are gonna die um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's just it's and it's gonna hurt every time So gonna, that's cool
0: you I like it are right to an extent um, but that also gets into one of the things that I want to talk about later of like how to do path to glory at an event but you are right in the sense that lots of people died because we didn't talk about the the super cool thing about the Holy Hammer events, which I will get into with the first game now that the, the table is set. Awesome. So first game was a last minute loss. Um, so Jake and I, we played against uh, Rotor and Fensky, whose team mm-hmm. name was the Hot and Jacks.
1: <laughs> of course it was.
0: They were playing as Cities of Sigmar, Living City which I thought I was ready for cuz I've been you know that's what Paul you've been playing as.
1: Then, <laughs> yeah, but I don't play it well.
0: <laughs> and you don't have
1: teleporting dwarves. I I don't know. I yeah, I don't play it well like I said. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um and then they also had stormcast. I before going further I should say that I was you know as I mentioned repping my dragoncast and then Jake was playing as Osiark Bone Reapers.
1: How's
2: your
0: bone rapers? Bone rapers, which are, are those
2: the those little guys that you played with that one time that were like thought they were super valiant, but were super gross.
0: Oh, that, that the one? is the flesh eater courts, the ghouls
2: yes.
1: that think they are knights.
2: Those are my favorite. All right, yeah, yeah. So not the same.
1: that was my spider army that I did. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the name of that.
2: Okay, all right. Yeah. You said that was he plays. All right. I yeah. was like, okay, listen a my I I'm, I'm I'm losing the names. The the names are dense. So that's just the- <laughs> okay.
0: And most of the most of the words in the names are made up, so
1: <laughs> and the points don't matter.
0: The points don't matter. <laughs> um but you have encountered the Osiark Bone Reapers in a sense because they are reforged creatures or even almost automatons made of bone. Shaped into perfect warriors that I use in our D anD D campaign.
2: Oh, the ones with the many faces! Yeah, those are some, like yeeted us off that. T- yeah, all right. Yeah, I they're deadly. <laughs> they were
0: they switch the the four headed ones with four arms that switch their heads around for different personalities. He brought you
1: know, those. That's what I hear. Oh, when we- They talk about in the oh, GW lore. Watch out for those OCR Bone Reapers. They're gonna eat you.
0: <laughs> You'll get yeeted. <laughs> they're going to eat your bones right out of your body. Ooh, <laughs> nice.
1: Like yeah. It.
0: So
2: no. Yeah. yeah anyway, say
0: part part Wait. of the narrative that Jake and I had created going into it was uh from a tidbit of lore that took place in the Soul Wars novel by Ooh, Josh Reynolds. Ooh,
1: I like that novel. It's so yeah, good. Yeah,
0: so good. Highly recommend it. Um but the Soul Wars novel sort of ends like towards the end, it mentions that Arkhan, um, a lich, like a big undead evil guy working for the God of Undeath, was trying to essentially parent trap Nagash, the, the God of Undeath, and Sigmar, the leader of the Stormcast, into working together again. And it didn't work. Surprise, surprise. It's shocking. So, our narratives was Jake was playing his OC arc, who are working for Arcan, and my dragon-themed Stormcast are allied to Dracothian. So we were testing out what an alliance between the two could look like, while the pig, the pig, the big two gods were looking elsewhere, <laughs> like essentially doing a beta test of what could happen. And his, like huh, um, his warlord had interesting thoughts about that alliance that we can talk about as we get to uh, games four and five. But the first game took place on a one of the maps. There were uh, like 24 five 20 something tables no yeah something like that there was a crazy amount of tables each one was super customized and the floating islands which i had shared a picture before and i'll post in the discord again when the episode drops is as described giant floating island and then like all over the place but it had a rule where if you were standing under the islands you took damage we didn't know that this <laughs> <was>. <laughs> i could i could see <laughs> we didn't know that this was one of the safer maps <laughs> yep um, yep when, when i said like you were right about there being a lot of death uh-huh. these tables were vicious <laughs> we lost <laughs> so many models to the boards themselves killing us Yeah. And it made it so fun. (laughs) 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 It was fantastic because at a certain point, like your two armies were just fighting to survive, like not even fighting to beat each other.
1: That's amazing.
0: Um, And yeah, so we played Rotor and Fensky and we could not have asked for better opponents for our, our very first game. Um, You know, Jake had been to Dragonfall con just a few weeks before but other than that, this was only his second event and it was his first Holy hammer event. And it was my first event and Rotor and Penske were phenomenal. They really set the tone for like the game for us, even though like they beat us pretty good. Um, it didn't happen until the very end where they found a Sigmarite right temple and called on Sigmar to smite my wizard on the very last roll to, to secure the victory. So it was a, uh, a knockdown, drag out brawl, and I will also because of it never question teleporting dwarves with guns ever again. <laughs> uh, le- living city is
1: dangerous, y'all. Don't do it. <laughs> and when it's in somebody else's hands, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me get this right. Not only did you go to like the Super Bowl of Warhammer events, but you also got to play against like some of the MVPs who win best painted like all the freaking time. In your first game as well, is that correct? That's what you,
0: yeah, that's what if that's what you're saying.
1: That's what. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! That's amazing.
0: It was so awesome.
1: Oh yeah, Runner and Fenske are amazing guys that really know their stuff backwards and forwards, and paint gorgeous, gorgeous armies. So.
2: And you held your own, so you know you had Sigmar Spice. but other than that, you did pretty good.
0: Yeah. Uh, then we go into game two, which was a bit. Different in the sense that it was more devastating. <laughs> um, we played.
1: In the sense that we died more. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, a bunch. We played Joe and Joe uh, of the team Joe Squared. <laughs> um, and they were running Gloom Spike Gits and Iron Jaws. So Gloom Spike Gits are essentially goblins and they were running them all on squigs, the giant just nice. balls with mouths. Yeah. Squiggle Anch. Squiggle Ange and iron jaws spencer are the orcs that are heavily
2: armored so
0: just big and nasty
2: so tanks and dogs you played against tanks and dogs
0: like dogs eh? yeah i would say more like tanks and bouncing
2: mouths yeah, yeah, yeah like like a dog right like they're like rawr, yeah, rawr, rawr. Yeah. And they're, just, they're like Bouncy. Oh, oh, maybe like a little like get a little wind up teeth.
1: If you think about a dog but with a with the teeth of an alligator, right? Like so a chihuahua with alligator teeth, that's kind of what you would get. Like Uh that boundless energy that's just yapping constantly, but also it could bite you in half. That's basically a squig.
0: Um they they were vicious. And we played on the map. I, I love calling out the maps because they made a huge difference in the games, especially this one. Uh, it was called Worms of Glot Marsh. Nice. So going going into it, I was like, cool, floating islands, some cool things to do. This whole event, you know, pretty safe. Hey, there's a table with giant worms coming out of the ground. That should be fun. I wonder what those do. I wonder how they can meme me today. Um, And like... Things were going well up until a point. Like, we were slow. (laughs) I feel like this is a theme. Things were going great until. Until. Well, yeah, because things were going great. We were like behind for sure. And then the worm ate all of my heroes at the same (laughs) (laughs) time. I was like, well, this was fun. (laughs) Like, I managed, Uh, uh, Cassathea managed to survive and get to like complete an objective. But, like, every other model in my army uh, faded away to nothingness.
2: <gasps> no. And it was fantastic. No. I loved it. Wait, but wait, they're they are Stormcast, right? So they're going to go. They're coming around again. Yeah, they, they
0: came right back. And that kind of goes into part of what I want to talk about. Like, how does this work with Path to Glory? Which is... You know, after every Path to Glory game, you roll for casualties and you roll for injuries. Unless.
1: Unless what?
0: You are not playing an actual game of Path to Glory.
1: Ooh, my take, drop.
0: Yeah, you can take your Path to Glory force and play other games. So that's essentially what I was doing. So at the start of every game, it's not like I started like, well, I only have one model now you know, I, my, my force refreshed. Which is why I mentioned, like, yeah, lots of people die, but then they come back. And I, I have the narrative excuse of having Stormcast, and Jake has the narrative excuse of Osiaric Bone Reapers. Like,
1: you know, it, it's built in to the lore that th- they're going to come back anyways. So let me put it this way, Spencer, alright? We're playing Path to Glory, we're bowling. Right? Just straight up bowling. Mm-hmm. You hit, you strike, whatever, right? Yeah. So... Will's playing bumper bowling when he plays match play. I'm just gonna lay it out there. Right? (laughs) Like he can't not hit. And everything Mm -hmm. comes back. So I'm just gonna, you know, that's all. That's all I wanna say is that he's playing bumper bowling. It's still narrative and it's still fun, but it's still bumper bowling. Yeah.
0: And don't don't get me wrong, I hit every bumper on the way there. You say bumper bowling; it looked more like pinball with all the bouncing around. Nice.
2: You know, like whenever you tried to like when you started that, and you were like bowling. Um, yeah, and exactly. You tried to play talk possible.
0: about the the Super Bowl. This was the <laughs> yeah. bowling bowling championship. <laughs> this was the
1: bowling not... portion
0: of the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get to game three, where this was actually a a grudge match. Ooh. Where uh with, who? Tra- with Travis and Matt of oh, Bloom nice. Exiles and the Crimson Fleet. Uh Travis had been local to the Madison area and had recently moved to Illinois, and Matt is a local to the Madison area. He he had just moved out here, so we're trying to get him involved in more games and telling their story. But those of us who are listening probably know Travis from his work on creating His vampire Fleet. Oh, so good. So Um, good. This kind of ties into old world lore, Spencer. But there had always been lore for a faction called the Vampire Coast in the old world. Vampire Pirates. And when... I don't even know if they had, like, many dedicated models, but it was just Uh, such a cool idea.
1: So it actually is kind of cool, and this is way, way back, so this is, like, no sense to you, Spencer, whatsoever. But they released one specific model. It was called Luther Harkon. Yeah. And he was the, the vampire that was in charge of the vampire pirates. And then they released a white dwarf supplement for conversions you could do to make a vampire pirates army. Which was one of the coolest things ever, but they only released one actual model. Everything else was just supposed to be converted. So um, Travis took that and ran with it like crazy. And oh my goodness, he did an amazing job. And it's just
0: a beautiful force. And Matt, like knowing this is what Travis was doing, he took a different spin on a like the same idea where he brought the Ideneth Deepkin, which are underwater elves that steal people's souls. And he themed them off the realm of death. And he had one beautiful model, which was a, the Leviathan, which is a giant flying turtle and had like a mossy graveyard on its back. Oh, that's awesome. So on one side you had vampire pirates And on the other side you had deathly sea elves. Well the
1: the crazy thing was, I've been watching Travis for like a year build this absolutely incredible army. I had no idea that he had a partner doing a matching army on the (laughs) side that posted nowhere.
2: Yeah, I'm just amazed like they fit. Like they got C and C together.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was so good. C and C music
1: factory. sorry i couldn't help myself that was my first single that's the first single i ever bought was (laughs) cnc music factory bring it back to me (laughs) all right anyway Uh, way aside is that
2: a a band that was a
1: band from the 90s cnc music factory
2: (laughs) pump up
1: the jam pump
2: it (gasps) (gasps) up oh uh, yeah of course they didn't know they were like a I didn't know that song,
0: but I know that song It's a great
2: song I didn't, know that, <laughs> I didn't know that song was by a band Yeah, it was <laughs> The 1990s It wasn't all just It was my first
1: Cassette single That's how old I am Anyway, moving on <laughs>
0: uh, Moving on um, To, well Only kind of moving on because, like, it was such a beautiful <laughs> army to play against, and everyone, like, in the Mad- Madison area, for sure, has been following his progress and with conversion Twitter. So, of course, um, th- the two of them won uh, Player's Choice, which oh, yeah. is essentially everyone got to vote for, like, what their favorite, like, army was at this event, and they they knocked it <laughs> Pun intended. Knocked it out of the water. As for the game, we actually won this one. What? Yeah, it's no crazy. No way. Yeah, we we played on Vlad's tomb because, of course, if you're playing vampires, you're gonna go to the tomb of Vlad, the infamous pirate. I mean, vampire. He's not a pirate. He's one of the only non-pirate vampires. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> one of the only ones one of the only one of at least two
1: at least at least, two. At least. um
0: and the way like we felt, like it, it felt like a super close game the entire time it could have swung any direction but part of like why we ended up winning was mostly because we had such a condensed force with my like few models and his and uh jake's like shield wall or we sort of just like controlled like the one part of the board just based on deployment. Um anytime like we actually engaged outside of our little secure zone, they tore apart those units. But we <laughs> we just managed to like we turtled up, which was interesting because they had a turtle that destroyed my warlords. <laughs> gonna say, didn't they? Have like, a turtle? <laughs> their, their, their turtle killed my warlord. Um and like we we managed to get a win and But it was just, again, such a fun game. Did you build a turtle fence? (laughs) We did not build a turtle fence. (laughs) Should have. But then back to our regularly scheduled programming with game four, where we lost. (laughs) Uh, Typical, uh, typical, typical. obviously. Yeah, here, this was another grudge match um, where we played... Aaron and Jason of the Nerd Lodge. These are people that were local to Jake. So we managed to to play two like local teams to the each of us. So that was super cool to have to to build those connections. And they were playing Nurgle Rotbringers and the Flesh Eater Courts. Oh, nice. And we were playing on a map called the Shifting Monolith which was just this, oh. massive,
1: <laughs> this massive pillar uh, yeah. of
0: chaos energy that each turn, each side got to move it around. And if it flew over a unit, that unit would take damage and then get a, a gift from the chaos gods. Um, when we used it and rolled over their units, we killed a few and the gift they got was like better save rolls. So they were more survivable. Um, when they moved it over my general, it did some damage. And the gift I got was I get to take more damage. (laughs) (laughs) So like I was super happy because my general, like once the knight judicator is super good at range and he almost killed a terror geist, which is like a giant undead bat creature. And he would have oh, gotten away yes. with a two it, two <laughs> <chaos pillar. laughs> if it wasn't for the giant chaos
1: pillar. If it wasn't for the giant chaos pillar.
0: Nice. Yeah, and they they ended up uh, pulling the wind, summoning a bunch of units, and we we overextended and got overwhelmed. But super fun game.
1: Not whelmed, not underwhelmed, but overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. All right, I,
0: good. And I should say, this is where the narrative of the event also started coming into play. Um... Because what happened, uh, game four and five took place on the second day of this event. So, overnight, spies sent by our own warlords stole the artifacts of power that we had given our generals.
1: Oh my goodness. It didn't
0: really affect me because the artifact my general has is you can't shoot him unless you're in close range. Yeah. And only one game did I ever play against another shooting army. <laughs> so <laughs> and that was the Ideneth uh
1: Deepkin. Awfully convenient, isn't it? Very convenient.
0: Um but it really like messed with Jake because he he gave his people his general was a spellcaster to bring back more Osiarch and the artifact like let them be better at that. And they lost that ability so our our hammer and shield combo of his OCR taking blows and then resurrecting and me hitting enemies with the storm cast kind of fell apart <laughs> because we didn't have those, <laughs> those items. Yeah. We our Cassathia Ka- started taking control. And my narrative for why she was doing this was that, um, if you look at the conversion, she is further along in her progression to becoming a dragon like, she has these big, beautiful, dragon-like wings. And I'm going off the narrative of when Stormcasts die in our Reforge, they lose bits of themselves, and a lot of them start to portray the extremes of their host. Makes sense. And so the extreme for my Stormhost is you become more dragon-like. And she has been dying in most of these games. So she's just coming <laughs> back more deranged and more like dragon greed. Um like Smaug. Oh Smaug. Oh Smaug. So that that's why she's starting to to turn against my my general. And so for the final Ooh. game
2: Ooh. it was Ooh, spicy.
0: Yeah. All of the warlords made their move. And sold the generals to
1: their enemies. And put them in jail. Uh This
0: game was
1: crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like uh, one of the things I ran at bring Dome. I'm like, hey, you have a general. It's a nice looking general you've got there. Hey, guess what? You don't have a general anymore. (laughs) Sure,
0: sure, it would be a shame if something bad were to happen to it.
1: Exactly. Except
0: except we were rewarded (laughs) if something bad happened to it. Um, Because what? happen this this was super intriguing um and i'm still like trying to process how cool it was we we played kevin and kyle of the tree biters who were playing as sylvan f the the dryads the tree people and so blight Lords, which was um a lot of zombies and heavily armored skeletons and the interesting thing was part of our objective was we needed to go free our general. We had also poisoned our generals and we got points <laughs> the faster the generals died. What
2: oh, wow. it was like what wait, I don't understand. Why what? Because because it was just like a sacrifice? That feels Kinda, like aim-
0: the, the warlords poisoned the general. So Cassathea mm-hmm. poisoned um Valen Bronbo in order to usurp control.
2: Yeah, okay, because she, she's ascending.
0: If yeah, she she's trying to ascend. Uh, there was a, requirements to ascend that she didn't meet. One of those being survive two games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, couldn't, man. Couldn't, couldn't quite get there. <laughs> it's great and terrible at the same time, I feel for you. Uh, uh, I mean, it's how I played her. Um, so And it ties into the narrative. So I had a pro gamer move, where Uh as I've been talking about these, you know, my trials and tribulations and these other events, I had something on my side, which is, my people die very quickly. So (laughs) when we rolled for damage on the first turn to see how much poison our generals took, he immediately died. Dying is my superpower, <laughs> which which gave me like the maximum amount of points. Awesome. And that's that ended up how we won was cuz Jake <laughs> and I's generals had like 5 HP each. And then we yeah. maxed out our damage early on, so we walked away with like a bunch of points because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't fire me, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um and like that fight ended up just being a knockdown drag out brawl uh, because other models like you you gave them warpstone crystals which is like magic chaos rocks that the the skaven love the little rat people and we just kept on fighting and killing until there was just like so few models left and when the game ended <laughs> the it really was decided by the fact that we just died faster Nice. And therefore we won.
1: <laughs> Alright, so you've covered all five games now, right? Yeah. So Spencer, what do you think happened in these five games now? What, do, what is your opinion of a Warhammer event? I'm curious.
2: Like, as a whole, the story that happened?
1: Or like, what does it entail? Like, what would you enjoy about maybe going to an event or like what seems super cool or super intriguing oh, well, or what stands out to you?
2: I mean, first of all, I would love to watch because, because it's kind of like a tiny little movie that's being written in front of you because you have all the stories and stuff, especially if you get a chance to talk to the characters beforehand, um, mm-hmm. get, get big favorites. I, I love seeing the artwork of these figurines and apparently this was the best place to see that. I, I do find that part mm-hmm. really exciting. Um, That being said, I'm, gosh, I would just like to talk to people again. Is that too much to ask for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Fair.
2: I mean, just be like, yo, and they'll be like, whoa. And I'm like, whoa, you like went into this. And they're like, yeah, I kind of love it. And I'm like, I'm enjoying it. Like, just just go spend time uh, among people who are doing something they love. I mean, that's like a positive vibe to share. So, yeah, like I
1: mean, that's 90% cool. of why I enjoy going to events It's just talk to everyone else about how much fun they had making their stuff.
2: Yeah. It's so cool. And I wouldn't stress a competing yet. I'd be like, You guys, you guys like birds? And, I'm like, Yeah, sure. And then, like, three minutes in, <laughs> your birds are good. You're free to go now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Bird grenade, go! Bird grenade.
1: <laughs> oh, is it just like pooping on somebody, but it's expensive? Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? Pocket bird. <laughs> All right. So, very cool. I I, I like that because that's that's literally why we enjoy. I mean, I enjoy going to events. I can't speak for Will, but I imagine I probably have to be pretty. High it was ahead, miserable. So. No, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All,
2: <laughs> All right. Every minute of it. I can see why you loved it. Like, yeah. you you gotta see you. For one, you gotta like test out like different ways to play your character because you're also practicing playing to a story. I I mean, we keep saying that, but it is a skill you have to practice. Like, making sure you're you're consistent with your character's decisions, that that adds a secondary layer to it. And so you got to practice it without kind of, like, with bumpers on. So that must like, kind of back-to-back, too, and watch your dragon lady die, like, nine times, but... Yeah. Feel the heartbreak over and over
0: again. Well, I remember one game... I'm like, okay, I'm charging their warlord with my warlord. And then Jake was like, hey, you know, they have way more backup than you. I'm like, yeah, but I'm within charging range.
1: I, I She's going to charge. So that is an interesting thought that I don't think it's discussed much. <clears throat> and it's super salient, I think, to Path to Glory is that, you know, as hobbyists, we paint these miniatures, Right create these stories or create these paint jobs and we, we do the we create these little characters in our head of what's going on and when we play war games the vast majority of the time what we do is we just watch them die over and over again and it's odd but it also is super fun that gw has finally provided us a way to like process that and to enjoy that and to create a story out of something that in most situations would be super negative, right? If you just made something super cool, you poured your heart and soul into painting and converting this model and it dies, turn one. You're just like, oh, why did I waste the effort? But when you create the story, that effort isn't wasted because it turns into part of their narrative. Just It, it yeah. was just kind of a simple thing that I had really not thought about until Spencer brought it up. But it was super cool. So I'm going to read yeah. something Spencer wrote here because this is kind of cool. Like a choose your own adventure book where you have to save your last page just in case you die because it isn't over. And that's super cool.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's the other thing. Like it, it isn't over at all for my characters. Like I said, Valem, my, my adjudicator dies. That That's, that's what he does. He dies. But he's a stormcast. He's he's going to return to Path to Glory. Um, part of it is just he's being reforged. The other part is, I didn't have to roll casualties or injuries since it was a a competitive match play event. And the reason GW has that is because like when you're when you're playing a Path to Glory game where you and your opponent are both doing Path to Glory forces. You can retreat. You can say, you know, I lost half my army. I don't want to lose anyone else. We're going to boogie out of here. And that's that's built into the system. Don't do that in match play. Um, and you don't do that in like a more competitive setting. All of your models go in, they rush, they die. There is no real surrender. And it's a lot more deadly. So they're not going to punish someone who wants to have a running narrative for playing against opponents who aren't going to necessarily hold back.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's part of the thing where there's this thing called the social contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we might've talked about it before, but when you're going to a tournament, there is part of the social contract that you're going to, you're going to try and play the best of your ability, right? Like you're not going to try and hold your punches but also that your opponent isn't going to hold their punches. You're trying to find out who the best player is Yeah. and path to glory, allowing you to create your narrative while also agreeing to the social contract of we're here to find out who the best player is, is a really cool thing that we, we haven't seen before. And it is one of my favorite things about path to glory because as toy soldier fun, Harry says, you can do it on your own. You can just go play a bunch of match play games like you did, Will, but you're still creating your narrative, you're still creating your story. And this is yeah. one of the things that always slightly bothered me um, is that you go to a tournament and there's, you know, 50, 100, 200 people playing at this event, right? One person's going to walk out of there with a the win, three people are going to walk out of there with a the podium. At best, like you're going to have like maybe two people walk out of there undefeated. So what happens to the other 198 players, right? Like where is the value? And and to me, the value is in like having those conversations about the hobby, is in talking about your narrative. But with Path to Glory, you can create that value just simply by playing games and you lose. Okay, fine. But I'm creating my own narrative and I get to roll and I get to increase cool things that happen to my army because I played, right? Um, and as opposed to most situations where I'd be kind of opposed to be like, all right, I tried, therefore it's great, right? It's not a participation award. It's an integration into your story, right? It's not a participation. It is you helping to create your narrative, helping to create the story, and if you get lucky, you get to create it with your opponent too, even if you're playing a match play game, and that's just a fun experience for everybody.
0: Yeah, and... And Holy Havoc really embraced that idea of like, what does winning mean in a narrative event? And I mentioned that he, um, my warlord, needed to do certain things to ascend, and I, I didn't. I wasn't able to to do all of those things. Whoever ascended their warlord, they were considered the winners, and it was uh, like a th- a quarter of everyone there. A quarter of the attendees won the event because yep. they they fulfilled those things. Someone else got an award, like their team won for the most points they earned across those games. But, and I just, I don't know off the top of my head. It is entirely possible where they could have like, yeah, we, you know, we were the best um, general or whatever the award is called, but our warlord didn't ascend because one of the things to unlock and to ascend is you have to die, which I was pretty good at. Um, (laughs) And so like, if if they're scoring the most points, it's possible their warlords not dying. So like it's, it's 100% entirely possible that the person who played the most competitive game and was the best at being competitive didn't win the event technically. And of course they, they could have considered winning that trophy, winning for them, and that's well within like their narrative, and I I really appreciated that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> speaking of awards, wanted to toot my own horn a bit. Ooh, uh, I didn't realize well, you had a
1: herald on your force. <laughs> yeah, right? Bur, 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 bur.
0: Um, so we didn't end up winning it, but Jake and I tied the number of votes for... I forget what it's called, but it's essentially like best sport, like people oh, nice. that yeah. ever what like people. It means yeah, plus one, plus one team morale. Um, but essentially, like people enjoy playing games with us. Um, we tied with the most votes, and then like tiebreakers go into like the other. Since it is a, a hobby event, it's like then it goes into the score of your like narrative and hobby points, and if that's a tie, you roll off. So the other two people because again i painted everything in two weeks <laughs> not not super high score on the hobby uh so there, there were three groups that tied for this the other two were also tied for those other tiebreaker things and so then they rolled off just to see like who gets to take it home but they still like for most of the awards they you know they just said who won but for best sport they called up Everyone who had gotten those votes say, like, hey, you know, these are the people y'all enjoy playing games with. And he made sure to call out that, you know, this was Jake and I's first holy hammer event, let alone like early events. And it was you know, I call that like I I really enjoyed that. I like I like oh, having yeah. fun, and I'm glad other people liked having fun with me.
1: No, that's a win. That's like a hundred percent a win. Yeah. Right. No questions asked.
0: Yeah. So that was the event, and now I want to talk about how the heck Path to Glory worked in that event, and what I did, and Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. So, first things first, like I I mentioned the list building, like for the event, you had to build your list using match play restrictions for a thousand point force. For, to make the match play things, I only needed to add one unit and I had the glory and I had the room in my, my barracks uh, because I needed to match the battle line restriction. Mm-hmm. So, I, I... Which, to explain for you, Spencer, when we do Path to Glory, we have our own restrictions. You can only have so many units total. You can only have so many heroes and you can only have so many wizards and priests and monsters and you can change those limits by increasing your territory for
2: Mm
0: -hmm. matched play. You need to have what they call a battle line unit. I think we had talked about this in the past, but to recap a battle line is like your standard troop. That is like the core of your force.
2: Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: And you know, since I've been playing my Stormcast as more elite, I was missing one. So I just spent the glory to add one to my Force. Which, since the step seven of managing your order of battle is the last step of it, I technically did it with like in the correct order. It just was a really long step. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I I like I was surprised. Like, like, oh, what do I need to do to to make this work? And the answer was very little. Um yeah. it worked really well. When it came to tallying up the glory from each game, there were already like the rules, it's just depending on the point size of the game you played. And I just did it based off the point size of my army, even though it was a duo event, so Jake and I combined had 2,000 points. I only brought 1,000 points. So all my glory gains were based off of playing 1,000 point gains. That makes sense. And then your glory for victories and losses is normally determined by whether it's a major or minor victory. You get more points. Those weren't in the battle plans for Holyhammer because they had all of these different factors and all of these different scores. And I was trying to figure out, like, oh, how do I determine whether or not my wins were major or minor? Mm-hmm. And I realized the only wins I did have were like by a lot of points. Like, yeah, some of the losses would could be considered minor losses, but the the wins were in the the major category. So I went with that. Nice, um, but the the only thing that was a challenge was between most of the games you either had a one hour lunch break where you need to try and find a place to get food and eat and then get ready for the next game in an hour or you just had a half hour break which is like when everyone's running to the bathroom clearing the table and then figuring out who they're playing in the next round and what they're playing in the next round yeah, And it's not a whole lot of time. There was no way I could do my aftermath between games, so I did it just at the end of each day. Mm-hmm. And it was just another simple process going through the steps of okay, I played this game, I get this glory. I wasn't spending glory between rounds because my list was already set.
1: Well, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway because you can't use the things that you get from glory exactly during the game because you're playing a match play event. Exactly.
0: Like it there was no point in spending glory unless I was like, Oh, I'll buy this territory later on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also just did that at the very end of the game anyways. Um,
2: So wait, whenever you come back and play Paul again, you're going to be like super beefy, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Paul, you ready?
1: So here's (laughs) the thing is that, so will just played five games, played a thousand points. So, like, his experience is so much higher than mine right now, right? Yeah. But the way the Path of Glory works says you play at the lowest limit. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, right? Like, yep. at most, Will might get one or two extra magic items. But all this extra glory that he's getting, the main thing that he's going to probably do with Glory is he's going to upgrade his stronghold. hmm But you know what? I can't upgrade my stronghold yet. So because I can't play a higher point game, it actually doesn't affect me. Yeah. Until I upgrade my stronghold and oh. I choose to play those games. Mm-hmm. And that's one mm-hmm. of the amazing things about path to glory is that, you know, and, and I made fun before saying that he's mm-hmm. playing bumper bowling. Of course it's not true. He's playing a just Sigmar. He's creating his narrative. Like it's amazing. And there's no reason to make fun of anybody for oh, doing that. For sure. Right. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is until I am ready to address his new stronghold it ain't gonna happen exactly we, he's gonna gain maybe one or two small little um, bonus enhancements and that's gonna be all because the game is made to actually allow you to accommodate the fact that one player might play more than another because it's made to be played single player yes. as well yeah, so I
0: also yeah. really wanted to call out something that was also super important that comes into play, which is the tiers of battle determine... You you said bonus enhancements, and that's like mm-hmm. getting extra magic items, learning more spells, and all this stuff, and you earn those by completing your Path to Glory quest, which mm-hmm. usually entails winning games. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I actually... I, I did manage to complete two quests um, because the quest I was on when I went into the event was for my storm cast and it was win a game.
2: <laughs> it, and Good I, choice. I managed,
0: right. I managed to pull that off halfway through. And what that did was I didn't actually get any bonus enhancements. It let me pick two additional units to be my, um unit of renown or to like be my mvp for that game. Oh nice, yeah. So really what I got out of this event was not that I got like more items or even more units cuz I didn't buy more units. My the units I do have are very veteran in status.
1: That's awesome.
0: So that that's what I got out of the event really. And then the final game I I completed the quest to get an endless spell, which is the Everblaze Comet. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: that might come into a game, but that depends on the point limit we set.
1: Yeah. And you still have to pay points for it.
0: I still have to pay points for it. So it's like, well, I could spend like a hundred points for this spell or I could bring a different unit. And I am, I learned at this event. I'm not great with
1: spellcasters,
0: <laughs> so I may just bring another unit. <laughs> like, yeah it, it what I what I really bought myself was flexibility, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I didn't have that before. I had well, a thousand point force, and when we played a thousand right. point game,
1: I brought every unit. Yep. And do you remember what my points limit was, Spencer?
2: I just what remember is- yours were kind of like cannon fodder. Yeah. That's- Yep, but I don't but remember
1: the number. My points limit was two thousand when we started.
2: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. So well, Will I... is just catching up to my original ability to be able to pick and choose yeah. what I want to be able to field every time I play. And I'm only halfway mm-hmm. there. I'm at yep. fifteen
0: hundred sixteen. If you count the spell. Yep. Like, <laughs> I still have ways to go, and that like, and that's my narrative. My narrative is they are an elite force.
2: Um, mm, yeah, it's all, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I, right. That's why I took the quest where, like, I didn't want more magic items. I didn't want this other stuff. I want to make my people veterans because I want, like, my fulminators, the dragons riding the dragon mounts, uh griffix and quorum. I want them to be awesome, so they are actually veterans two times over after like all of the killing oh, they wow. did at this event. That's amazing. Um, and it is it is going to be kind of brutal. I'm going to admit, Paul, because they have like yep. bonuses to. Oh, of course. Like they once per game, they count as if they had charged, and fulminators yep. do more damage if they charge. Oh, of course,
1: yeah. So, like, th- and that's it's okay. I'm on a dawn crusade. I'm going to lose. Exactly, that's kind of the point. Figure um,
2: it out. Yeah. Good but, luck. <laughs> like.
1: <laughs>
0: We we had gotten questions, and especially with um, Toy Soldier Fun Harry's comment of match play, I I went into this going like, how how hard is this to do Path to Glory? And it was the mm-hmm. easiest thing. So really quickly, yeah. since I know that people listening to this now, some of them may be preparing for Holy Wars, which is in yeah, February.
1: Yep, go make your order of battle number one.
0: <laughs> yeah, go make your go do it. You should already have a list at this point. You have two weeks. Come on. <laughs> Don't be me. <mean. laughs> um, I just wanted to pass along some tips of if you wanted to do, if you wanted to integrate this into your path to glory, there are just like a few questions to ask yourself, which is for me, I ne- wanted to ask myself, you know, am I starting a path to glory at this event or am I continuing my narrative? For me, I continue my narrative, but you could use this event to kickstart your story. Oh, well, Absolutely. And so, depending on what you choose, the answer, you have to think about, okay, how do I build my order of battle to both work in Path of Glory and to fit the match play restrictions? And I'm going to advocate for something semi-heretical, which is tweaking the rules a little bit. But, Uh-oh. you know, the rules Uh-oh. the rules should help your narrative. And the idea is I had the glory that I needed to buy the one unit to fit my match play restrictions. You may not, but what you will have is you will know for a fact that you are playing five games. at mm-hmm. I think it's 1500 point level.
1: Correct.
0: So, you know, for each game, you're going to be gaining a certain amount of glory. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if I was, if I was doing this with you, Paul, I would ask, like, hey, is it cool if I borrow from those future rewards? But that's a oh, yeah. that's a conversation to have if you are doing this as part of a, an ongoing campaign. If this is your first event and you have, like, you don't have pre-existing things.
1: Fill your boots. Have fill fun. Fill your boots.
0: Do it. Why not? There's no reason not to. No.
1: Um, Nobody's going to be hurt by the fact that you're enjoying your narrative the, awesome the fact game. that
0: you you bought the unit before the first game instead of waiting until after five games to meet
1: the requirements. Yeah, no. Just have fun. Play Warhammer. Yeah. Enjoy the game.
0: Yeah, and then just like a general tip is for the aftermath, one thing to think about, like, do you have enough time to do that step in between games? You don't have to roll for injuries or casualties. It is pretty straightforward since you're not spending glory. But even with that, at this past event, I didn't, I just didn't have enough time. Plus, yeah. I just wanted to talk to people about the game. Mm-hmm. So no matter like what route you do, if you have enough time, if you don't, take notes. Uh, yeah, one, which unit is dying? Which unit is dying? Right. Which you, you don't even need the casualty rolls. Nope. But it, it's good for retelling your story later. It's like, exactly. oh yeah, you know, my annihilators, they put in the work, they killed so many people, it was great. Like, you know, that's all you need to do. But it's it's useful for when you are doing that aftermath step and you're thinking, you know, who was my MVP for this game? Who should get the bonus renown? You have that note. Mm-hmm. And then I just wanted to reiterate the do's and don'ts of the aftermath phase um, in a non-Path to Glory event. And the good news is it's a lot of do's and only one don't the only real don't is you don't roll for injuries or casualties. Yeah. Or you, you just get to skip that step. You do Mm -hmm. get to tally up all the glory and the renown that you gain. So you don't have to worry about people dying. Nope. But they can level up. Mm -hmm. You do get to complete quests. Mm -hmm. The rewards will not really take into effect until after the event, you know, since you're not using veteran abilities, since you can't add on to your list partway through. But you can mark those off of my quest says, I need to be standing next to arcane terrain to unlock my endless spell. And I did that, make a note of it,
1: complete the quest, pick the next quest to work towards. Yeah. I mean, heck, if you want to put this in match play terms, all you do is this is my grand strategy.
0: Yeah right. This is my, my other gran- thing.
1: Exactly. This is my grand strategy is to make sure I'm standing next to an arcane terrain, right? Like my grand strategy is to track and see which units die. It's yeah. not that hard, and it will really help you to create your narrative for sure.
0: And and then the last two things are you can manage your territories. I didn't want to buy territories. I wanted to upgrade my stronghold do my end like buy a barracks for more units so i didn't roll territories until the very end um but if that's something you want to do you can do it a, like in between each round go for it and then you can like a do manager order of battle you can buy new units you can't take them to that event but you can say hey after my second game i'm gonna add this unit to my list not for this event but when i go back home they're there waiting for me type thing yep 100 but it it really was like super seamless and it is laid out in the book like exactly what you do and don't do for these things and what's also super interesting is it says like if you go to the event and you are doing your path to glory and they are doing their path to glory, but the event isn't path to glory. Don't still don't do the injuries or casualties. You know, play to yeah. the event, do the match play game. You both just get to benefit from it. Yeah, which is super cool.
1: That's the social um, contract for you. Exactly. Well, and at the end of the day, right? Like, you played the game, you earned the glory, right? Right. I mean. At the end of the day, it's again, it's part of the social contract. If you're really concerned about people playing the game, just don't cheat. <laughs> it's yeah. okay, right? Like, you're telling a narrative. If you really want your narrative to be like, I'm super great and, like, super amazing and all my units can do all the cool things, you know what? There's already, actually, rules in the game to prevent you from running raffle stomping over everybody else anyway. So, y'all have fun. Like, going ham on your narrative for rules purposes but we're just going to continue to tell our story and you know what in our story you might just be a little bit of a jerk and that's okay yeah
0: um yeah and so then the last thing i wanted to say for my story is my you know my warlord did not ascend she yeah. she failed to complete it Um, And since she was using a custom war scroll and she betrayed my general, who is like the MVP of my actual army, she's going to be in exile for a little bit, which serves two purposes. One, I don't have to fiddle faddle with how I'm going to integrate a custom war scroll into my path to glory. It works narratively that, you know, she betrayed the army. And then it also gives me some freedom to bring her back. Later, if I so choose, because I'm kind of thinking of bringing her back for animosity, but I haven't decided yet. And I'm giving myself that window. All right. Agree. yeah, that that was it. That was our holy havoc recap slash like kind of some of the steps to doing other events. And yeah. Really just me gushing about how much fun it was to meet all these people and just actually like absorb the community by being in the room with everyone, which was so much fun.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, we tell our story to help you tell yours. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Path of Story. You can find us online. I am at PJ Shard. Will, where are you? I am at Severalon, S-E-V-V-I-R-E-L-O-N. And Spencer, where are you?
2: I am currently uh, in a chair. <laughs> uh, I sometimes log into the internet. So, yep, that's where I am. No, I, you can find me at Miss Photon, MS underscore Photon. Uh, if you like pictures of science things, like the Hubble Deep Field that I just like to share a lot. <laughs> and birds. I got a lot of bird photos. <laughs>
1: Fair, sure. all right, and you can also chat with us on the Discord at www. dot com slash discord. Thanks for listening. Wait,
2: wait what was it? Was, uh, again? It was www.themortalrealms.com
1: uh... dot com slash discord. Sensory, can you remember
2: that? Ah, oh gosh, www. slash nope. The
0: Mortal Realms slash Discord <laughs> no. <laughs> um, also, Apparently, I cannot. <laughs> uh, if you ever put a shout out of you're doing an event and you want a partner, throw it in that Discord. One <laughs> of us may just latch onto
1: it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our Amblings on the Road, and we hope to see you along the path. It's the path to story. AOS narrative show the path to story.